Welcome to Becoming Christlike right here on Blog Talk Radio and the Road Less Traveled Internet Ministries. It's Friday, uh, February 27th, and I'm Derek Hutchison. I'm here. I'm not here with my sister in Christ. It sounds like I am, but Dawn <laughs> is uh, not in the studio today because it is snowy. Yes, beautiful <laughs> snow, but it does not help us with our travel. No, it doesn't at all. I gave you a call earlier this morning and said, I don't want you driving. We'll do this over the phone. So you are at home, uh, uh, presumably sitting up in a chair next to a nice fire, keeping warm. Is that right? (laughs) No fire, but sitting in a chair with my feet up. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit different than sitting there with all that. Other at your table. All right, that's true. I'm sit. I'm actually sitting right here at the table where I normally sit, and and the chair next to me is empty. Makes you feel a little lonesome, doesn't it? Not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can hear you, and that's good. You're you're that's in good my enough, huh? yeah. You're in my ear, and so that that's good enough. I okay. we do want to welcome you to becoming Christ. Like you can find us uh, at uh, Twitter, at Facebook. You can go to our website at bemorechristlike.com. You can follow us on your mobile phone at m, as in mobile, dot bemorechristlike.com. Follow us on Facebook at Becoming Christlike and the ever-present, ever-busy Twitter at uh, Christlike Today. So uh, you had said that there was a lot of uh, tweeting going on about our study. Is that correct? Yes, there is. I put it out, and I've got a lot of responses back at it. I have people reposting our blog talk show site out, and I never even put it on. So they found it and put it out for me because I didn't do it. (laughs) I I thought that was really good. I thanked her for it. (laughs) Thanks for doing that. We we appreciate that. (laughs) Exactly. Or if I did, I didn't know I did. I don't know. You know me and this uh, tech stuff. Yes, we're in the midst of Lent. How is your Lenten season going so far? You know, I have really enjoyed it, and I'm glad we're using this as a study because I think it's really um, helping me to grow a lot. So I am just enjoying it well. Yes, we want to welcome Patty Sheen to the chat room. Uh, Pat is there in Los Angeles. Did you guys get a lot of snow there in Los Animas, Dawn? I'm guessing we got about six inches here. It's the wind's blowing it, and it's a little hard to tell. But I'm guessing about six. I'll I could I should have went out and shoveled first, and then I would know better. I'm still blaming all this snow on Pat. It's it's <laughs> all her fault. It was gorgeous here. I think we even talked about that, Patty Sheen. We have a a show uh, a Tuesday morning. She has a show called uh, Literally Speaking. Uh, oh look, she says in the chat room, "Not enough, not enough snow for her." It just, it's it's. You know, over. Pat. You tell Pat she can just come help me feed cows, break ice, and uh, water everybody, and we'll see what she thinks. There you go. Then yeah, we'll see if if it's enough. So I'm done. I'm done with it. It's it's uh, what we got one day left of February. And then on to I'm finished with it. It needs to go away. So it, it well, sounded I like, like snow. Yeah, it, but, it, but I, I like it when I can sit in the house and not have to work out in it. <laughs> yeah, you can sit and look at it, and you don't have to do anything with it. Exactly. That's, that's exactly. This is no way to spend uh, the Lenten season. I'm just telling you this. It, it's <laughs> it's just no way to do it. And and it is pat. Oh, see. Uh, okay, Pat, Pat says that she will be there to help you. All right, I'll tell her so, next time we're feeding, we'll load it on, and she can uh, fork it off with Richard. No, <laughs> I'm not coming there, so it's uh, I'm not going to do that. We are in the midst of a Lenten study, and it's been a good study, and it'll take us a little while. But we've been yes. talking about this book by uh, James McDonald called "Lord Change My Attitude." Before it's too late, and it's really uh, it's it's really reflective, I think, of the Lenten season because it is a, a self inspection of yourself and uh, really looking at one of the things that I think that we all struggle with mightily, and that's our attitude. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and, and, and I think it, and so this this book really hits everybody. When, uh, well, what I like about it, it not only describes it, but it walks you through why it's wrong and how to change. And so I really love how it's written. It's just not saying you can't do it. It's telling you how to stop and why right. and backing it up with scripture. Right, and it gives you those. And, and that's what kind of what we're, we're doing. We're taking it chapter by chapter, and each chapter he'll – He'll give you an attitude uh, that is bad, and then the next chapter will say, okay, let's take that bad attitude and let's replace it with another. And we started out uh, with this attitude of complaining. And then the next chapter, he talks about, okay, let's replace that attitude of complaining with an attitude of thankfulness. Absolutely. And and he's been talking about and he uses scriptures, but but really kind of bringing up over and over uh, the Israelites and their murmurings as they went through the wilderness. And the only I I absolutely loved it, but the only thing I had uh, a tough time with in this next chapter in chapter three. Of course, we're going to get into a bad attitude now. Was having to say the word over and over again because as I read it I knew we would be saying this word on air and so I was practicing it over and over because it's not that easy to say covetousness it's not I can't even <laughs> type it so <laughs> but that's what we're doing we're going to be talking about uh the covetous attitude uh today so let's go ahead and open our time up uh, with a with a word of prayer Father God, we thank you so much that we can come together here. We thank you for this season of Lent, this time of looking deep within ourselves, of admitting that we are sinners, recognizing that we are sinners in need of a Savior, and the and the wonderful uh, joy that we have in our lives because you have given us one in your Son, Jesus Christ. So uh, we ask that you be with us uh, in this time that we have together, be with those who are listening, that indeed we might change our attitudes, uh, turn those attitudes around so that they might be pleasing to you. So, Father God, we give this time to you. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. Amen. Okay, so chapter 3, and, and he's, he's using the scripture, if, you, if you're at, at home and listening, you want to pull your Bible alongside, he's using Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through 35, and now we've gotten to chapter 3, and he's going to say this is a bad attitude uh, that we need to change, uh, and we need to replace a covetous attitude. He starts, he starts out, <laughs> I just love, I love the story that he starts out with, uh, and the water. Uh, yeah. Basically what he say he, he, it, at first, I thought he was he was talking about the pastor. Remember, did you? Oh, I don't know if you saw that. Did you ever see Titanic? I did see Titanic. I loved it. Okay, and so that is re- what I t- went yeah. to when I yeah. read this. Yes, me too. Remember when when the pastor was there and he was praying and and they were going down with the ship and and they all knew they were going to die and and that's what he's talking about here but he's he's saying imagine that it was him and and he says with my with my last breath uh he he begins his final sermon uh, as he's preaching to to these people who some are drowning right now and some are getting ready to drown but they're all going down and surrounded in the ocean and he says uh suppose that I keep my head just far enough above water to preach a final sermon and begin with this statement. I'd like to give a little talk on the problem of water. Oh, like they didn't have enough, huh? <laughs> right. And and what he's trying to say is, you know, when you're, when you're surrounded by water and you're drowning and you know, you don't need to be told about the problem of water. And he uses that with the idea of this covetous nature. The, and and to make it easier, he gives us another word of materialism. Correct. And, and, and that is so rampant here in the United States. Oh, abso- absolutely. And that's what he says. We, we, we don't need to be preached at that that is a, a poor attitude that needs to be changed and replaced. We all know 
that we are materialistic. I thought it was interesting. He starts each chapter with a say it in a sentence. For those who have listened to before, you know that James McDonald uh, starts each one of his chapters with a little box that says say it in a sentence. And I thought it was interesting because this one says covetousness, rampant in the Western world and in the evangelical church, blocks the flow of God's fullness in our lives. I thought it was interesting that he put in and in the evangelical church. Well, I just think it's everywhere. I don't think it matters who or what church. Right. I think it's everywhere. Right. And So and why I, did I, he use evangelical? Well, I, I think probably uh, because of these examples that he's going... Because as soon as he started giving examples, I thought of the church. I, 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 that's bad to say. Um, but what I want to do, because, because we don't... You know, we have an hour to go... Uh, right. or we have an hour in our show, but I really want it because I want to spend some time on it. I want to start talking about uh, this idea of uh, of the the definitions that he gives, and and I'm skipping around just a little bit, uh, but I really like them because when I when I read them, I thought to myself, oh my gosh. The, this is this is me. <laughs> um, I, I found me in this people. whole book. I yeah. know. I I keep saying that. I I keep saying that over and over again. Um, he talks about four different types of um, this materialism, and and I'm going to use that word uh, okay. because because it's much easier um, to say. He, he, absolutely right. And and in this part, he talks a little bit um, about the root of materialism or covetousness, um, that it is a rejection. He kind of uses this idea. It is a rejection of God's sufficiency. I yes. thought that was a great, uh, a great definition because you don't really put it into context that way very much. Because he says, our problem is not that we don't want God. And that's, I think that's very important that we that we make sure that we know that 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 covetousness, covetousness isn't that we don't want God and we want everything else. He says our problem is not that we don't want God; it's that we covet God and other things: God and the perfect spouse, God and the impressive career, God and the house by the lake, uh, God and the exotic vacation. It, it, it's that idea. What will it take for us to come to that settled place where the central passion of our lives is, God, I just want you. You are enough. You are, exactly, you are enough. And and that really hit home for me because there is that idea of, oh, yeah, I want God in my life, but, you know, want some other things too. And, right. And we we have a tendency to talk ourselves into well that's that's okay. It's okay that that we want other things. And he's really talking about uh this idea of covetousness becomes active sin when we yield uh to it. By sin he says I mean a sin of action. Uh and and, and I really think that that's uh, that's so true in everyone's life. Right. Um, well, covetousness makes us uh, want more and more, and more than is never enough. We always exactly are wanting right. more. That's exactly, that is exactly right. It is never enough. He even calls it consuming. It is all consuming. I got this. I want more. Instead of applying that to God in our lives that says, oh, my gosh, I got some of God. Man, I want some more of God. Ooh, that that's I want more of God. It's it's always this idea of I want more and more and he always he says that in in this chapter. Enough is never enough. And, well, and the thing of it is is when we start wanting, let's say the new house by the lake, we take our focus off of God while we're trying to get the house at the new lake. 
or by the lake. We're, we take our mind off of God when we're searching for that other thing. We just lose him. Right, and and it, we've said this before on our show. Let's be very clear. There's nothing wrong with having a, a nice house by the lake. It's when yeah. it gets in that in, in the way of saying, okay, I want God and this. I, I, mm-hmm. God, and just like James McDonald says in this book, uh, Lord, change my attitude before it's too late. It, it gets to the point where God isn't isn't enough. Mm-hmm. I have to have I have to have more. God have, and yes, God and uh, something. So uh, I, I think that it's uh, I, he he talks about what covetousness is. Um, and he and he really says here's a four part definition, and I like these. Uh, I really, uh, I, I really thought that he did a good job. It, he says first of all, covetousness is wanting wrong things, wanting power without reason, wanting control so I can be at the center, wanting wealth for myself. Wanting glory and praise from others. In other words, wanting wrong things. And none it, of that is pleasing to God. Right, right, exactly. And then he says, second, covetousness is always is also wanting right things for wrong reasons. And he says, take for example the role of spiritual leadership. The Bible says that if a man desires the office of an elder, he desires a good thing. That's out of 1 Timothy 3. Uh, wanting to be a spiritual leader and, make an Im- and wanting to make an impact on the lives of others, that's a great thing to want. But you have to not just want it. You have to want it for the right reasons. To want it for the wrong reasons, like personal recognition or power of, over others or for a personal agenda, that is covetousness. And I see that in churches a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've been to only, uh, you know, two churches, but I've seen it in both to the point it almost ruins a church. Right. And and we talk about that all the time. It happens in church leadership all the time because it's so important to be wanting to serve for the right reasons. And that's what he really says is you want the right things, but you want them for the wrong reasons. And that's and he defines that as an aspect of covetousness. And I like that in his chapters that he defines the the attitudes that he's talking about. Right. He, he he doesn't just say, "Hey, get rid of this, replace it with that. Get rid of this, replace it with that." He defines them, and and so then he goes on and he says, "There's a third aspect to covetousness. And covetousness is not just wanting wrong things or wanting right things." For the wrong reasons, covetousness is also wanting right things at the wrong time. Mm. <laughs> this is very important, I think, because it is, I think, a problem that is just rampant in the whole world right now. Right, and he goes on to give an example. He says a young couple uh, comes in and sits down for premarital counsel counseling, and they say, we love Christ and we love each other. We've committed ourselves to a lifetime together. We're going to go get we're going to get married in three months, but we want to start sleeping together now. He goes on to say they want right things, they want them for the right reasons, but they want them at the wrong time. And he goes on to say that's also covetousness. Yes. And so God's um, timing. He has a plan of how he wants life to go on earth, and any time we disrupt that we're going against his will and his ways. Right, right. And and he, he says the final aspect of covetousness is wanting right things, but wanting them in the wrong amount. He says, take, for example, money. Money is not a wrong thing. It's a necessary part of life. And he goes on to talk about Paul told Timothy that if a person doesn't provide for his own, that means anyone his own extended family who has a need, uh, doesn't do everything he can to provide for his own. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. But he goes on to say, you know, if you want them, uh, this whole idea of uh, I, I want more and more and more and more and more, I want the I want it for the wrong amount, uh, is not good 
either. And and I think that I really liked how he talked about these different aspects of covetousness because I I think when we hear that word, uh, we have an idea of what it means, and we kind of pigeonhole it a little bit, and we, we we tuck it away and make it fit our lives so that we have just enough of it, but not enough to really get in, in trouble with. But right. But yeah, I've, I've got a little bit of that, but we don't take into uh, into consideration all those other things uh, right. that are going on. We only and hear so, the part we want to hear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that's exactly right. Um, and, and he does, uh, he does such a great job in this in, in telling us this is an attitude that is, was prevalent, uh, with the Israelites, was prevalent, uh, in, in, in Jesus's time, is prevalent in our, uh, society today, maybe even more so, I don't know, I think it has always been around, there is that materialism where we say that God isn't, Enough had a good example of, um, uh, and I can't remember where I heard it. It was either on a show or something. Um, that uh, there was a couple. I think it was a married couple, and I wish I could remember the, remember the show that it was on. But I thought it was a great example. How a, a husband was very upset, um, and because things just weren't going going his way and and had shared that with the wife and and said you know I wish I had this I wish I had that I wish I had this then we then we could be happy and she looked at him and said when did it happen that I became not enough to make you happy and and when I heard that I thought of God saying that to us yes when when did it when did it come about, Derek, that I wasn't enough for you? And we're back to bondage. Exactly. That that's exactly right. And and when you get to thinking about it, you think, well, oh, that's just a horrible attitude to have to say to myself, God, you are enough, but but a little bit of extra is good. But to get really to that point where we can honestly say. It, and, it, and it harkens back a little bit to last week and the thankfulness, how he talked about the three different, you know, the, the elementary thankfulness and the high school thankfulness and the graduate school thankfulness. Yes. It, that idea of saying, okay, can I be thankful in good times? Can I be thankful in bad times? Can I be thankful in all times? Right. And And really getting to that idea of materialism that says, God is enough. I don't. Well, I, don't I think need, we oh. have so. All we have to do is turn on the TV now, and that's what we see is throwing in our face all these things to come by, come get, do, have, whatever. And I think that with our our world the way it is today, with the TVs and the internet and all that, I think it actually makes it worse. Yeah, there is that. There really is that sense of of a materialistic society that we have and in society and ads and everybody just keeps pumping and it says you need more you need more you right. need more well and, and i think that goes into his next part where he talks about pretty soon we're craving the cravings of wanting stuff right that that's exactly right it um, makes us crave what we don't need it blows right. it out of proportion in our mind it makes it big and we just can't live without it then and throws us into a frenzy over it yeah. Again, we're talking about James McDonald's book, Lord Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. And we're in the third chapter and, and he's taking the bad attitudes that we have and giving us examples of replacing them. In the first chapter, he talked about that attitude of complaining and then replacing it with an attitude of thankfulness. And here in this third chapter, he's talking about this attitude of covetousness, um, of materialism, this 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 poor, sinful attitude that we have. And then, of course, next week he's going to replace it with something. And, and again, it will take us a little while to get through this study and through this book. But again, it is something that each one of us can take to heart because I think at some place in time, somewhere along the walk, whether you're there now or whether you've been there or whether you're coming up on it, we live 
in a in an arena of poor attitude. Absolutely. And so, uh, if, if this if this uh, if, if this study right now doesn't hit you right now where you are, uh, it will remind you of where you've been, or it will warn you about where you're going. But we all get there at some point in time. It's just it's it's part of our humanness uh, mm-hmm. to experience. I think there's stages in life we go through, and I think as young married couples, we want more as teens. We want our own. And I think that that we need to remember that that there are stages in life that we go through. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about this uh, attitude of covetousness. Uh, he he talks about uh, cactus country, and and I thought that that was interesting when he does that. And and we're going to share a little bit of of what he talks about. Again, we're talking about James McDonald's book called Lord Change My Attitude. Uh, before it's too late, and uh, it's it's been a great study so far, and we want you to stay with us uh, on the other side of this break as we continue to talk uh, with uh, with Dawn here and and myself. Um, it is uh, it, I I just I think it's a perfect book again, and I'll say it uh, to study during Lent if you're willing to be truthful with yourself, and if you're really uh, desiring a change in your heart and in your attitude. If not, then it's just a it, it's a easy read uh, to place on everybody else because it's so easy to look. And you've probably done this too, Don. And I'm sure that I've done it a number of times. You read this book, and I can I can find so many people in this book, uh, but I struggle. Uh, <laughs> I struggle seeing yourself being, sometimes. Well. No, I struggle with being truthful with myself that I'm there as well. I th- well, I think we that, all are. Yeah. And if we're not, that, we will be pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So we're going to take a break. Uh, stay with us on the other side of this break as we continue to talk about James McDonald's book, Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late. So stay with us. Uh, you're listening to Becoming Christlike right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back.
one day I'll cross that river I'll fight life's fight No war with pain And then as death Gives way to Welcome back to Becoming Christ-like on the Road Less Travel, Blog Talk Radio. So you thought you had to keep this up. Welcome back to Becoming Christ-like right here on Blog Talk Radio on the Road Less Traveled. Internet Ministries, I'm here with my sister in Christ, Dawn Orr, who is not actually here. Uh, but sitting comfortably in her uh, lounging chair in her in her house, I am I'm assuming. Now, do you, do you, do you just have the phone propped up on your ear, or what? how do you how do you do that, Dawn? Oh, I like it up against my ear, so I actually <laughs> hold it up against my face. I like that. Do you remember? This is like a way throwback thing. Remember, remember the the phones that you used to have, the rotary dials that you used to have to to dial, and it had the big handle that you picked up, and they used to actually sell for secretaries or, or whoever talked on the phone line. It was like a little cradle that hooked onto the phone, and then it curved around your shoulder. Do you remember yep. those? I do. I didn't have one, but I sure liked them. And as of even now, I look for wider phones that are thicker because they're all thin now because I can't twist my neck as good anymore as I got right. old. That, that little so, cradle yes, thing I do. Is, is probably in a museum someplace, I would imagine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now they're going to put the Bluetooth out there, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that, that that's what we need to get you. We need to get you a Bluetooth so that you can just you can just walk around and do the dishes and go out and feed the cows and Oh, you and might make, like that. You would hear weird things. Yeah, and make Pat come over and help you put out water and I don't know all there the things go. that you I don't know, things that you do. You are listening to Becoming Christ like you can find us at bemorechristlike.com. You can also follow us on our mobile page. M as in mobile dot be more dot com. You can leave prayer requests, uh, and we've been getting quite a few of those. It's it's um, I I don't know what to say. It's it's humbling that that people would leave prayer requests, and we do indeed pray for you. But it's also amazing to me that uh, people open up the way that they do uh to a show like our ours uh on a on a mobile page and it just goes to show you that so many people are struggling and so many people are in need of prayer. Uh they're hungry that, for God's love. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we can be uh a place that you can come to and and know that you're being prayed for. And so you can find that on our mobile page. All you have to do is scroll down there. It says leave a prayer request, and and Dawn gets it, sends it on to me, and we spend time in prayer uh, for you and anything that you're you're dealing with in life. Um, and you can find us on Facebook. Uh, if I was I was telling telling you, uh, Dawn, uh, during the during the break there that. Uh, that Pat had had asked if the call-in feature uh, was working, and it is working. And we we have an an individual who who uh, was waiting there. Uh, now that we've cut our show down to an hour, uh, it is so hard for us to get a chapter in uh, that at this particular time we're not really opening it up to uh, as a call-in show because you can really get uh, thrown off. Uh, the path, but know that if you uh, you want to get a hold of us, you can do that on Facebook by going to Becoming Christ. Like you can do that uh, on Twitter at Christ Like Today. Don will always be there to tweet with you and 
Facebook you and do all those types of things. So I love that. I love my people. <laughs> yes. Brothers you're, and you're, sisters in Christ. I just love it. Your tweeters. <laughs> yes. I'm, I have gotten very good at it. My granddaughter says, every time my phone dings, which only new people, it tells me when it's on my phone, she'll look at me and she says, it's just Twitter. <laughs> mm. And that's usually what it is. Yeah. Uh, Pat's, uh, Pat, I want to talk to you in the chat room here because uh, it says, uh, Pat is talking about how, how her mom wanted to, to hear us and uh, couldn't get us. But uh, I will let you know, Pat, that there was a call in. And so uh, I did see, I did, what I'm assuming is your mom was on the board. Um, I don't know why she wouldn't be able to hear us. Um, So if if she called in, she doesn't have to push the number one. She should be able just to call the number and be able to, uh, to be able to hear us. So I'm not quite sure what's going on with that, but I did see her on the board. Um, so that means that she was, uh, she was connected to the show. So I'm not quite sure why, uh, you wouldn't be able to hear us, but, uh, maybe she can try and call back in and, and keep on listening. We are talking about this book called Lord Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late, written by James McDonald. We're kind of going through an attitude adjustment, uh, during this Lenten period, uh, and and it is quite an adjustment. You're a big chiropractic person, aren't you, Dawn? I am. I love my chiropractor, Pam. So. <laughs> and so you 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 constantly go in for adjustments, don't you? Yep, I do. I go in <laughs> once a month, and she keeps me in good working order. And that's really what we're looking at here is is an adjustment uh, mm-hmm. in, in of our attitude and and an maybe, attitude adjustment. I like that. Yes, it it is. And maybe it's the idea. And I think, as we've said before, one of the toughest things is really, and James McDonald talks about this in the book as well, is is really getting the courage to admit that you need that adjustment. Because a lot of the times we will say, Our, my attitude is just fine, thank you very much. It's yours. It's yeah. yours, not mine. <laughs> that's exactly with a little right. sarcasm and a derogatory in there. That that's exactly right. It, this book really doesn't apply to me, but boy, I sure do know a lot of people that I could give it to. Um, yes. And 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 it really is that idea of can we get to a place where we have the courage uh, and and we have the want to say, Lord, change my attitude. It, it is bad. We're talking about this attitude of covetousness, and and he's been talking about the idea of enough is never enough, and and we've talked about that as well. When you get to that point, and you say to yourself, uh, "I got to have more, I got to have more, I got to have more," he says, "When your life is a covetous life, and you're living for something else, more, better, different, perhaps a relationship, a possession." When desires for something are controlling you, you lose your capacity to discern sufficiency. And enough is never enough. And uh, he said, ABC News correspondent John Stossel once interviewed CNN and Time Warner executive Ted Turner about all his money. Turner has billions of dollars, and Stossel, noting that the media mogul is near the top of Forbes magazine's list of richest Americans. And, of course, this was written back in 2001. Uh, Asked Turner if the magazine's rankings motivated him to try to get richer. You're on this list, you see, and you want to move up the list. You want to be number one. Nobody will ever catch Bill Gates. Warren Buffett isn't going to catch Bill Gates. But Turner suggests it's fun thinking about how you can get higher on the list. And Stossel then asked, everybody wants more, and that's okay? Uh, I think it's okay, Turner replied. It's your money. You can do whatever you want to. You want to buy a big yacht? You can buy a big bo- uh, a big yacht. Earlier, the interviewer asked about the presence of greed in America, and Turner's reply, oh, greedy, greedy, greedy. Everybody's greedy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think that's pretty true, huh? <laughs> I, think it, I, I think it is. Uh, I, I really, I, I really do. Uh, but it, what I think is bad is when that greed distorts your whole life. That that's what sa- you live for. That's right. And he even says that in his book. He says, "I'm not saying that money or possessions equal sin. 
I'm not saying that the most covetous person is the wealthiest person. There is no direct correlation between wealth and covetousness. I think that's important. I think that's important because uh, we have a tendency to do that. Those of us without money have a tendency to think that those who do have money are just so dirty, rotten, covetous people. Just, oh, man, they got to turn their lives around, just rotten, horrible sinners. And that isn't always the case. Sometimes I think it's just so important to think about what we do with our money instead. Right, right. It, Are we it, it healthy, really loving, and kind, or is it all about us, me, me, me? And what James McDonald's is saying, it's really, a, it's not about money. It's it, name the thing. It could be anything. Like he had said, oh, I want the great wife. I want the great house. I want the what. It is that fact when we put it in the middle, in the midst, before, after, instead of, and uh, to supplement God. When we get to the point when we say God is not enough, I need more of something else. I think it's a test. I think it's a test of whether we'll be happy with God's provisions or if we're we're just going to keep coveting. Is is there a remnant left for God anywhere on this earth? Right, and I think that that is. I think that is. I think that's the per, kind of the parameter that we put it around. Maybe the how we bracket it, because it is very hard. I, I have to admit, I when I read uh, when I read that, I really tried to to be honest with myself and say, okay, am I saying that to myself that God isn't enough? Because here's the trap I think that you fall into. It's very hard to say, okay, I'm going to say God, it, 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 God is enough, because what we have a tendency to think is that I've that I got to give up everything else, that, I, that I, for some reason I have to, you know, render my garments. But that's not necessarily and, true. That's, if that's, if that's you right. have money, you can get things and not be covetous. That's right. As long as that's not the center of what you, your desire is. Right, and I think that's really um, that's really the the thing that keeps us from you know pulling the trigger on this whole idea of where does God fit into my materialism? Is God all I want? Is because of that fear of what we think we might have to become if we buy into that statement that God is enough for me. So I think it's very important, and I want to. I want to move on a little bit because he always, at the end of his chapters, he says, let's talk about solutions. And and you and I have always said this. It does us no good uh, to say it ourselves or to read it from somebody else who has written it and say, this is what you need to do. This is what you, you need to get rid of, and then not come up with solutions. And I love how he does that in the book. He doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't say, get rid of your covetousness and then not tell us. Uh, or give us examples of how we do that. Um, and he does it with questions. I love this. And they're the same questions, really. Every it's week, a, yeah. Every, every week. He, you ask yourself in a a truthful scenario. We're talking about Lent now. We're talking about self-inspection, this, this self-inventory that we continually move ourselves through so that we can get closer and closer to becoming Christ-like. He says, am I a covetous person? Ask yourself honestly before the Lord. Make that question a prayer. God, am I a covetous person? He says, here are some better ways to to determine your heart's genuine desire. Ask yourself this. Do I spend more time thinking about people to impact or things to accumulate? As I think about the future and my happiness, am I thinking, boy, when we finally get that deck built out back, or if we could just get our family relational conflict settled, that's when I'm going to be really happy. As I think about a happy future for my, myself and my family, do I imagine us with more things or more impact in the lives of people? As people grow older, many times they convert to a more people-slash-ministry-oriented outlook and report that they wish they had converted sooner. Mm-hmm. And I, man, that's a, 
because it, it, you you want things. I'm I'm sorry. That's that's a bad. It's a bad thing. But we got to Oh. I think Man. we just bring our kids up that way, though. I want this toy. I want that. Then it's a car, and the, the items get more and more expensive. And then when you have your own, that becomes your dream. It becomes your goal. And right. what hap- needs right. to happen is God becomes your goal, and then you're satisfied with what he has. Yeah. And and I, I wonder if, like he's saying, if it's an age thing. Mm-hmm. I, because I, I, all generations have to learn the same lesson over and over again. None of us escape the lessons of life. Right. And again, I want to reiterate, and I know I keep saying this, but I don't want people to misunderstand us. It is not bad to have things. We are not, tell, we are not suggesting, nor is James McDonald suggesting, that you go out and get rid of everything that you have. No. That somehow he doesn't want having, it Yeah, having things or liking things is a sinful thing. It isn't. It's where is God located in the mix of having things. That's right. That's exactly right. He goes on to ask this second question. Am I reaping the consequences of covetousness in my relationship with God? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The answer to that question. I'm in the desert. Yeah, that's exactly right. He says, perhaps the idea of reading God's word or studying God's truth is all kind of tiresome to you. Maybe the last time you gathered with others for worship, you found yourself thinking, what are they going on about? It's all very tedious to you. Do you know why? Because your life is a wilderness. Do you know why? Those who choose murmuring as their lifestyle will spend their lifetimes in the wilderness. And covetousness is a part of murmuring. God puts people in a wilderness existence when they want things other than him. So if you're reaping the consequences of covetousness in your relationship with God, the third question will help give you direction. I like that because, uh, once again, it brings that idea of the Israelites in the desert murmuring, complaining, wanting this uh, wanting this, and wanting that. I want my food. Oh, God isn't enough. Uh, God plus food. God plus whatever. Right. It, and again, it isn't the idea that you need food. Sure, you need food. They were they were right in wanting food. It was their attitude towards the food right. that, that that got them there. And that third question is always that one that sticks: Am I willing to repent? Oh, and repent. Dang. We still got to remember: is change directions, line up with God's direction in life, not what we want. Yeah, and he goes on to say this. Uh, if the word repent is outside your vocabulary, then here are two different <laughs> questions with the same concept. Am I willing to change my mind and attitude about covetousness in my life? And and also, am I willing to say I've been living for things and for relationships and for stuff other than God? Ouch. Yeah. You need honest acknowledgement before God. Maybe you could begin praying, God, I need to have my mind changed about this area of covetousness. And and I really I really think that again it is not looking at our lives and saying the the, the appropriate question isn't do I have stuff? That's not it. It, it and it do, I don't think it does us any good really in our relationship with God at the very moment to say, okay, let me look around the room and see if there's stuff I can get rid of. I don't need this chair that much. I'll get rid of that. Right. It's not the answer at all. Because getting rid of that chair that you don't need doesn't necessarily get you closer to God. It just, it it won't. And it, and it, it, that's not the point. It's where is God in the stuff? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Again, we say over and over. I had a pastor tell me that. Your first question every time is, where's God? Where do you see God in this situation? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly right. And so he talks about this this attitude of covetousness. And it's, it behooves us in our, in our desire to build our relationship with God to define that correctly. And again, he's given some great things. 
um, wanting wrong things, wanting right things for the wrong reasons, wanting right things at the wrong time. Um, all of those ideas, it isn't about a, a huge yard sale isn't going to change your heart. No. I mean, it, and it, it's just not. that. that that's not what it's about. So a, a good determining factor um, would not be, do I have a lot of things around my house? And if I do, I am covetous. That That's not necessarily That's not a good true. assessment. You could have three things in your house and covet. Right. Uh, you could have a million things in your house and covet. Uh, you could have one particular thing that you covet. And so it, it really is looking around and saying, what is it in my life that gets in the way of me and God? It's that, what are you dwelling on other than God? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll be and the first one to And when you yield to that, that's when it mm-hmm. becomes sin. Right. Because he talks about that, that 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 sin action yielding to that and 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 going out and and it becomes actionable, um, right? And, and I mean, I've got to be honest; these first three chapters have just hit me on the head. Uh, two of them are bad. <laughs> well, you wait till you get critical, Derek. That's next time, and that's worse. Oh, okay. I've been trying to read that. That's worse. I'm just trying to come across one of these chapters where I can honestly say to myself, you know, I'm, pro- I'm not that bad on that one. <laughs> but I haven't happened. had any of those. I keep getting those smacks in the back of the head. <laughs> and as we learned last week, we are to thank God for those. Be thankful for those uh, that it comes. But, boy, this thing just really hits home. Uh, and it's it's almost like in 2001, he had a webcam that could see into the future, and he was watching my house and watching me all the time. He said, you know what? I'm going to write a book about this bozo because this is insane. Because it's it's like he almost just – I'm surprised he didn't use my name. Uh, well, I could fit right in that category with you. Yeah, oh. and I feel, I feel bad about it. It's convicting me, uh, and I think that's good during this time of Lent. It's in, and it's, but as we've said before – not it's not good enough just to know that I've got this attitude adjustment that's needed in my life. It is now then, okay, what am I going to do about it? And that's right. the question that he always asks, am I willing to repent? Well, and I I think it's also important. I always like to say this. Perfection is never going to happen. No. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the growth journey that you're on that's important, and I get so many people saying, and they just send themselves into a frenzy, feeling guilty and everything because they can't do it perfect. Nobody can do it perfectly. It's the journey and where your heart is on that journey. If it's to become Christ-like, then you're okay. That's why we're called becoming Christ-like and not being Christ-like. Exactly. Um, you know, we. We know that that is our goal, is to become Christ-like. We're we're not yes. going to get there. We're not going to we're not going to be Christ. Okay, not now on this side do, of heaven. No, and we, we won't be do, Christ on the other side, but we'll be with. Right. We can do things that are Christ-like. Mm-hmm. That that you look at it and say, okay, Christ would do that. We could do that. But one of the things that James McDonald talks about here in his book, Lord, Change My Attitude Before It's Too Late, is the idea of how do we – attitude really guides everything. It's it's, just, the outcome is so based on our attitude, it's unreal. What we're yes. thinking, you know, the first thing they tell a cancer patient is you need to have a good attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when your attitude stinks, then pretty much your life stinks. And it's something that we need to work on so that it isn't um, it isn't dependent on the day. Well, let me wake up and see what kind of attitude I have today. That's eh, a bad right. attitude today. It's a good. Is that idea of consistently, constantly um, seeking to do that which God wants us to do? To have the attitude of thankfulness and not an attitude of complaining. 
not an attitude of covetousness where uh, the things of this world get in, in the way of uh, the God who created this world. And it's tough. And we're going to discover that that is a choice that we make every day, just like Paul had to make. Absolutely. Next week we're going to be talking about what we replace that with, what we take this attitude of Are you going to give them a clue? I'm not going to give them a clue. I'm going to tell them what it is. Oh, good. I think they so, need to know. That's right. We're going to take that attitude of covetousness, and we're going to replace it with an attitude of contentment, to be content yes. with what we have. Um, and he talks about it through 1 Timothy 6. Uh, at the not end only of every, with what we... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go. That, that's fine. Not only with what we have, but with what we don't have. Right. That's harder. Yes. Yep. That's 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 boy. That again, chapter that just comes and uh, just hits me on the head. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. At the end of each one. Well, of I know chapters. there's a couple places in my life where I focused on a couple things so much, and that's where I found this hit home. I just mm-hmm. didn't think I could be happy unless I had it. And it's right. Thy will be done, and I'm going to be content now. Right. At the end of his chap, each one of his chapters, he has a look up, and I want to share that with you. He writes, Lord, in this moment, I want to say thank you for dealing with my heart about covetousness. Lord, my life is trace, uh, racing by so fast. Please forgive me for wanting things other than you. Forgive me for longing for stuff that is not your heart for me and for believing that I can be satisfied in this life apart from you. I repent of covetous attitude this day and pray that you would cleanse my heart. Teach me what it means to love you above all else. Help me to recognize the futility of begging you for things that are not essential. Continue to remind me that the things will never fill the longing in my heart that's made for loving you. Uh, Might you become all to me and other things be in their rightful place always. I look forward with joy to your continued work in me, and I delight to move on to replace a covetous attitude with what your word will supply. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so, Dawn, stay safe there uh, at home. want to thank everybody for listening. I want to encourage you to join us next Friday, 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, uh, right here on Becoming Christlike as we continue with this book. Lord, change my attitude before it's too late. We're going to move from an attitude of covetousness to an attitude of contentment. So for everybody here at The Road Less Traveled, for everybody here at Becoming Christlike, we want to thank you for listening and encourage you each and every day to become more and more Christlike. God bless. God bless.